Hello there, my name is Jeff, and welcome to episode 43 of the Game Sharks podcast, where we talk about our favorite thing in the world, wonderful gifts that are given three years after their original intention. You're welcome. Uh, Andrew, oh, wow. Andrew, uh, quick story. Uh, Andrew reached out to someone recently, or three two, years ago. It was two years. It was two years? Yeah. Uh, two years ago to... Uh, it was a... Um, Custom-made GameCube controller because... And this it aged pretty poorly, but it was back when Ally was sponsored by Cloud9. So during a couple of tournaments, he used a Cloud9-branded controller. Uh, and so there was... I, I was like, that would be a perfect gift for Jeff because Jeff's favorite esports organization is Cloud9. It's true. Uh, so... I reached out to the guy who did it because uh, through some research, there I figured out this is the guy who who made that particular controller, and then it seemed everything seemed to be going fine. I, I was we were emailing back and forth. Uh, he sent me a mock up for the controller, and then I paid him, and then I was and then he gave me very little updates about it, and eventually just stopped responding to me altogether. So then, two years later. I reached out to another guy, and he was actually able to make it happen. Well, so. you told me after like it's true. two well, years. I was, like, hey, I did this. I paid I, the guy. I never got Because I was living in uncertainty because yeah. the, I didn't know, like, is he actually going to give it to me or not or yeah. what? Like, or can I still make it happen somehow? And then eventually I was just like, I need you to know how fucking ridiculous this is. Yeah. Uh, but he finally got it to me. Yes. I'll put up pictures on the Instagram. It's really, really sweet, and I'm excited. I don't know if you saw it when you walked in, Derek. I don't think I it's saw it. It's sitting right in front of the TV, so I'll put up a thing. Uh, but thank you very much for that gift, Andrew. Of course. I greatly it, appreciate it. A month past your birthday, but... <laughs> three years in a month. <laughs> three years <laughs> uh, <laughs> And video games. Joining me this week is Derek. Hello. Andrew. Hey. And a very special guest, a returning guest, host, co-host of the What Did We Miss podcast, my brother, Matt, hey, what's going on, Matt? Oh, hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Game Sharks podcast. No problem. Excited to be here again. Yeah. So Matt is here uh, for a very specific reason. The main topic of this episode is we're going to be talking about is video games the future of storytelling in uh, consumed media? media? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was that quote that we talked about from Joseph Gordon-Levitt a while back uh, that kind of sparked this idea. So we've been bouncing back and forth and we finally got Matt on to come talk about it. Matt is a huge cinephile, loves movies. So oui. I'm, I'm sure he's going to have some uh, stuff to say about the that topic as a whole. So we're going to get onto that a little bit later, but we're going to start with what we always start with and that's emails. Uh, our first email and only email is from OG Game Shark Jordan. I like how that's how you introduce him every time. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> he was on the first two episodes, or the, just the first the one. Z- the episode zero. Was he not on one after that? He was on one. Yeah, one and zero. One and zero. Anyways, Jordan says, "What's up, Makos?" I don't know. Ma- Mako shark. Yeah, like a Mako I, shark. I think. He's oh, is this a, is this a shark? This can be yeah. pronounced. They can. This can be in- because <laughs> of Final Fantasy, interpreted so. <laughs> interpreted multiple ways. It can either be the shark, the disc golf disc. Or the energy from Final Fantasy. I have a strong feeling it's not the disc golf. <laughs> you Anyways, never know. Jordan says, love the last episode and all that spooky talk. I, for one, haven't always been the biggest fan of scary games. But as of late, Weak. <laughs> I have been easing my way into it. My personal favorite as of late would have to be Resident Evil 2 Remake. It was my first. It was the first game that uh, it, in that genre 
Oh, man, it's happening. You can do it, Jeff. <laughs> that I've <laughs> fully beaten and collaborated with my cousin on both Claire and Leon stories and had a blast while doing it. With jump scares and close one moments galore. Another one that has piqued my interest has been Five Nights at Freddy's series, unironically. I know it is a game to meme a lot, but I just love the overall environment and premise, even if the story is a bit jumbled up and convoluted at times. I haven't really played a traditional FNAF game, Five Nights at Freddy's. FNAF, I believe, FNAF. is often referred to. Uh, in a few years now, I more recently started playing the VR game with my friend, and it's definitely an immersive and horrifying experience, especially when you, you're up close and personal interacting with all of these massive animatronics. That's all I've got to say about that, though. For all the games I've been playing recently i picked up where i left off on god of war and it was phenomenal the story the visuals the cutscenes, the fight mechanics it was just a culmination of a beautiful game <laughs> beginning to end and i can't wait for ragnarok which is the sequel to god of war now that i finished that uh to jeff and andrew's delight mostly jeff i'm playing final fantasy 7 remake and continuing that and that'll be my primary game to play until miles morales comes out Wish me luck because I know it's a long one. See you later, Sharkinators. Three shark emojis. Best wishes, Jordan. Uh, I'm just happy that he's playing games to completion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. Uh, no um, question in there. Just realized, but <laughs> I, I have a question in regards to the to the message. Sure. Is Five Nights at Freddy's referred to Freddy Krueger, and that's why it's scary because you're hanging out with Freddy Krueger? No, but that would be that would be better. Doesn't that sound like a great idea for like some sort of spin-off of Nightmare on Elm Street, Five Night at Freddy's? Hey, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that uh, the Rick and Morty? Oh, what's his name? Scary Terry? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, but Scary Terry is a parody of, of Freddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Freddy yeah. used to say bitch like all the time. The first time he said it was in the third Nightmare on Elm Street where he, he, he pops out of a television and lifts a girl up and then says welcome to primetime bitch and then shoves her into the television <laughs> and then her head is hanging out of the tv like 10 feet in the air the, the tv's mounted on the wall yeah oh huh. wouldn't that be a great video game yeah that sounds wonderful isn't, isn't that kind of the premise of uh I, I don't know is it dead by there's like a game where you can play i think freddy krueger's yeah the game. dead by daylight right and, yeah and it's like the yeah, there's like a bunch Jason's of them in, in there, and they're all like following. Like one person plays um, them, and the, then whoever the the, the clown the is from Jigsaw, right, yeah. is there? Yeah, and you're like you, you're either playing as the the movie villain, yeah, it's or like an asymmetrical, like, yeah, or like the, the four idiot teenagers. Yeah. Um. Anyways, Five Nights at Freddy's is basically imagine you're locked in a Chuck E. Cheese, <laughs> and the animatronic animals are possessed by the devil. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. It's yeah, it was really fun the popular. first time, and then they made six more. <laughs> yeah, they've oh. made a lot of them. And second follow-up, I just got to say, um, it brings me great joy every week when you get ridiculed for reading, because I remember um, quite a while back, you made fun of me for doing a terrible job of reading on an episode of my podcast, and the schadenfreude that I feel uh, every week when you get ridiculed for being a terrible reader is, is <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a running gag here these days. I don't even try to hide it anymore. It's not worth it. Hey, man, it's part of what makes us human. I'm a numbers guy, not a letters guy. That's do you ever a, read these letters beforehand or these emails beforehand, or do you always kind of wait to read them while you're recording? 
I skim them beforehand. You will pay for your insolence. <laughs> yeah. I, I still can't get over the fact that one time when I did send a message, you said predicted instead of predicated, which is what I wrote. And I'm, I'm really sore about that. <laughs> well, at least you came on to clear your name and, uh, and your language. Um, all right. Let's move on to our news for the week. First bit of news, something interesting and cool for Derek and I. Halo, the Master Chief Collection is getting a free 4K 120 FPS upgrade for Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's super cool. It'll run better than I think it currently runs on my PC. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, Happy for you guys. Uh, there's not a lot to talk about here except for the fact that this is really cool and exciting as Derek and I are huge Halo fans. Uh, Derek, will you play through the entire Halo franchise with me in the lead up to Halo Infinite? Oh, yes, I will. In 4K and 120? I think I'll plan to do it on a Series X. I think I, I decided You're today I'm going to get one. Yeah. Yo, let's so. go. Uh, Did you get a PS5, though? No, I haven't got No, he's getting Jin's <laughs> PS5. Jin's. Remember? Hopefully. But there's still a chance. There's, there's still, still a chance. A small, small chance. Uh, Maybe go to, I'll just go to Burger King. 6 a.m. and or th- 4 a.m. and go wait in line somewhere only to be find out. You mean 4 a.m. three days ahead of time? I guess you could. I didn't even think about that, but I guess that's something you could probably I, still. I don't know. Do. I, that's the thing is I don't know. I don't know if ev- like are they all, you know, uh, oh. taken and like you have to pre-order to stand in line because that's how sometimes like game releases worked is like if you didn't pre-order. You didn't get to stand in line at midnight. Yeah. yeah, huh? That's that's something worth looking into because I remember I didn't get either of the last consoles at launch. Um, the Switch. I, I, I don't know, online. dude. That would take some serious dedication for this. Oh this yeah, is I, I quite mean, possibly the most like populous console launch of all time. Yeah, and I had to go to seventeen different stores to get a Wii U. Huh. So. <laughs> yeah. You might have to camp out for yeah, like a I week have a, straight. I a life, so I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> Did I ever tell you my Wii U story when, when, no. when they went on sale? You've never heard this story? I don't think so. Um, I was working uh, at Newport Creamery at the time. and Wait, uh, is this for the Wii U or the Wii? It might have been the Wii. When did the Wii come out? Because I feel out? like you were, you were just... 2008? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. The Wii U came out 2012. The Wii yeah. was 2006. The Wii U was 2012. Yeah. Yeah. So then so it would be it would be it would be the Wii then. Yeah. Uh, so uh, my friend Nate had waited in line at at Walmart uh, for me, and I got out of work I think around 11 o'clock, and it didn't go on sale till like I want to say like close to like nine o'clock in the night or something like that. It was late, so we had to wait there all day, and the two of us were waiting in line, and there was this guy there, this heavy set guy with a cane. Uh, and he left, he just took off and then he came back and went and started like pacing just back and forth from the line. And then as soon as the doors were about to open, he started waiting at the front of the line. So we had been there for hours, hours at that time. And everyone in line was just like, Hey, like this guy, like he wasn't here. Like, why is he up front? So they told the manager, the manager came out and said, hey, like you weren't here. You're going to have to go like all these people have been waiting all day. And that means that person at the end, he's not going to be able to get a Wii because we only have so many. So finally, uh, you know, they had to get security to escort this guy out because he was just like, no, I, I'm, I'm going to wait in line. I had to leave. I was going to get donuts for everybody, but he he wasn't. And I think maybe there was something wrong with him. He had some kind of. Uh, some sort of disability maybe 
Uh, and then his his mom showed up and he's, she's trying to get him to leave and he's getting aggressive. So finally, like the manager came up. He's like, you have to go or we're going to call the police. Um, and then he looked at the manager, he looked away for a second, looked back and he took his cane and he swung at the manager's head. Whoa. And then the manager did like this matrix move where it just barely missed him. And then a bunch of guys in line just lunged forward and started pounding the shit out of oh, this, Holy this, crap. this guy. They didn't try to restrain him. They tried to beat him up. Yeah, because they were angry with him yeah, for yeah, like everything true. that was going down all day. And, and they probably took it too far. But then the cops showed up and then they took him away in, in like a police car because <laughs> he tried to assault the manager. And, and then uh, we and then we got our wheeze. End of story. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then you want to play Twilight After all Princess. that, if you didn't get a Wii, I think it would have been really sad. Whoa. It's crazy because you hear about those things on the internet, but you like never know someone who personally saw something like this. That's, right? that's crazy. That's, yeah. That is pretty nuts. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty weird. Um, so, Derek, you just said that you, you're definitely going to get an Xbox Series yeah. X. That is a good transition for me, uh, an update for the chronicles of myself oh. trying to pre-order an Xbox. So... Last time I updated you, I had said that I got an email from Microsoft saying yeah. that they're going to email me eventually to let me know that I can maybe pre-order one. So I've been keeping an eye out for that. They said after that email, because I got that email, what, the day of the last podcast? Yeah, I think it was last Thursday. And they said two to seven days after that. Um, so since then, uh, today, I got a text message from citizens one <laughs> that mm -hmm. said uh for information regarding xbox all access tap here so i did that and it brings me to a page that said good news jeffrey <laughs> thank you for opening citizen one line of credit for an xbox all access we understand that you may not have been able to successfully complete your pre-order of the xbox series x or s uh for a limited time microsoft store has a number of uh xbox series x and s reserved please check your email for detailed instructions to complete your purchase by 12 p.m pacific time on october 24th uh if you already completed your order disregard this message to which i replied what <laughs> <laughs> and when it checked my email and have yet to get uh an email from microsoft like with the link to actually pre-order it so i have 24 or i have at 48 this point, hours it'd be less than that yeah. because yeah. it's noon on saturday it's what did it say it's it didn't say 12 pacific uh so three, yeah so 3, 3 p.m so 3 p.m on saturday to order this but i haven't gotten the link yet so is it i guess then it's expected that you will get that link sometime before then hopefully and like you're just at the end of the list maybe, maybe? i'm religiously checking my email the last two emails that i've gotten from the microsoft store regarding this one was sent at 502 p.m and the other was sent at uh 752 p.m and it's currently 639 so i'm thinking i might get an email sometime before the end of the night okay. about it okay. uh hmm. and then i will pre-order my xbox and be happy with my life maybe We'll see what happens. But uh, that is my current update <laughs> on the, the Chronicle of trying to pre-order an Xbox. Um, all right. Another piece of news. This one regarding the PS5. Uh, the fan used for cooling uh, the system itself mm -hmm. will be optimized in future online updates based on player data on how much specific games and specific sections of games are um, taxing the system itself. Yeah. Which pretty is, interesting. That's crazy. It's, it's like it's a little. It's a little that's weird. It's one of the most. Yeah, it's one of the most futuristic things I've heard about uh, these consoles. It's like something you would never 
think or expect them to do. Be like, oh yeah, we're gonna optimize the fan through patches. <laughs> They're patching the fan. Yeah. Uh, based well, on user data. And like mm. th- they do that with control. Well, the controllers technically, right? They can like patch controllers sometimes. Yeah, I don't know what they I've, do when they patch. I've controllers. never heard of like patching systems like the fan. Yeah, it's like it's not an operating system. They are tweaking the internal components of your console through updates. Yeah, it must be connected through uh, the the CPU, like there's uh, either like a bus or something in there that it's connected to that holds that cl- obviously collects data yeah and then tran- transmits it back to them and then they can go okay you know uh i guess th- it makes sense because like the playstation 4 pro fan runs like a jet engine the yes. minute you turn on the console till the minute you turn it off very so, loud and, and it definitely doesn't need to do that so i'm like it was probably like okay let's take that like this data we're collecting from gamers anyway and put it to use to something good which yep. is kind of nice it's neat. Hmm. That's kind of like um, Canon recently released uh, new cameras, um, and they shoot 8K footage. Um, and everyone was super excited, like, oh, my God, these these are brand new ca- digital cameras, and, and they shoot this great footage, and everyone's like, this is too good to be true. And then all of a sudden, once people started getting their hands on them, they learned that they overheat really quickly. Um, and, and some people were even saying like, oh, like the 8k feature is really unusable, especially in like, you know, in the middle of the summer, which the camera was released in, um, that it it kind of like, it it maxes out at like 15, 20 minutes tops. Um, and people were like, oh, this is unusable for professional work. Uh, but then they released a firmware update, update, which kind of um, ease things up a bit on their restrictions for when it overheats. Cause I don't think they're actually overheating. I like, I think there is a point where they are overheating, but I think they put limitations on it on purpose in order to prevent it from getting to that point. So um, they programmed a threshold saying like, if yeah. we notice that it gets to this temperature, we're going to shut it down as opposed to it getting to a temperature where it like it fails. Correct. Yeah. Because I heard some people say like, oh, I put it in the, the fridge after it overheated and I pulled it out and it still said, no, you still need to wait like an hour for the camera to cool down, even though they said that it felt like it was cooled down. So I think it's also like it's not just an uh, an actual heating fan thing. I think it's also like, you know, based off of the limitations of the technology and the electronics. So like it, it can't actually shoot 8K the way you want it to shoot 8K because it has those restrictions. So maybe maybe this the system is similar in that way. We're just like, oh, we don't know exactly how much this is exerting it, so we're gonna figure it out after the fact, and we can fix it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, especially because as of right now, there's only a single game coming out on the PlayStation when it launches that is a PlayStation Five exclusive. It's the only place you can play as a PlayStation Five. So a lot of these games aren't taxing the system to anywhere near maximum yeah. capacity yet. So probably as more and more powerful and taxing games come out they're gonna collect the data and see hey maybe we need to crank the fan up on this or maybe like maybe bug snacks doesn't need the fan running at all yeah right stuff like that you know um still really cool stuff it's just funny how like these companies are just like look at what our new things can do but they can't quite do those things yeah for sure uh especially like something like 8k it's like just starting out so like the early uh adopters and like the the first instances of uh, products that can do this kind of stuff always have flaws in them that got to get worked out. 
I know a lot of people, uh, like my buddy Willis, he's not buying a PS5 at launch. He's like, I'm going to wait for the first wave of them to get out and like figure mm. out what's wrong with them, and then I'll get the next yeah. one when they solve the issues. Um, that's just some, how some people operate. Uh, but we are all suckers here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> buy it immediately. Well, I don't think there are any problems with the original PlayStation 4 at launch. I don't think uh, so. I don't I think, think there were any there PS4 were, issues. There were, I think, some issues with the Xbox One, but it was like very little. I think it was, and it might have been heat related. Uh, but it's not like the the PS3 and the 360 were like half of them at launch were faulty and like died within a year yeah. or something like that. You learn a lot in the last decade. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's move on and talk about uh, Minecraft. Steve, Super Smash Brothers. Um, <laughs> Rip. Uh, Ripperoni, Steve's meat. <laughs> uh, Matt, I don't know how much you follow the Super Smash Brothers scene. I'm going to post I, I follow your podcast. There you go. Uh, so I'm going to, in the podcast talk channel, I'm going to post a link to this article that we're about to talk about because you have to see this image. Uh, so... <laughs> So, so Steve <laughs> in Minecraft was uh, from Minecraft was l- released in Super Smash Bros. a couple weeks ago, and one of the key features of him he has a taunt where he eats a hunk of meat, which is something you do in the game to like restore your hearts, or you have a food meter; it's a separate thing than your hearts. Um, but anyways, uh, one of his victory screens would be him eating meat, and then he would put his hand down, and he would just be standing there, and. Uh, Let's just say that the meat looks <laughs> quite phallic. Uh, if I had to describe it in my own words, it looks like a giant throbbing cock. <laughs> uh, so they they took the liberty um, of patching that out in the most recent patch. They did a patch update to fix a bunch of bugs with Steve because he's a very weird character. They had to do a lot of changes to the systems within the game itself. Um, so a lot of weird bugs popped up. With uh, millions of people playing the game, yeah. they were finally able to kind of find some of these bugs, work them out. And in the meantime, noticed the, that this got pretty popular. Uh, <laughs> and we're like, yeah, maybe we should remove this. So now what happens in the victory screen is he, he eats the meat, and then when he puts his arm down, the meat disappears. Uh, <laughs> there's not much to say here, <laughs> except for it's just funny. Yeah, uh, It will live on forever. There's a lot of stuff going on about Twitter, about like, people being like, oh steve's meat 2020 to 2020 rest in peace <laughs> got a, like, you got a gender a, transplant there's a nice avengers like avenge the fallen and it's a picture of the meat uh on sale soon are switches that are, have not had their copy of smash bros patched. has not been patched so steve's meat is still in the game <laughs> i'm sure there will be at least two people <laughs> who don't update it specifically so they can keep steve's meat uh in i don't think i've updated it yet Right, and you can still save. play. You just can't play online without the update, right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Uh, so <laughs> you save that Switch for like 10 years, <laughs> man. It'll be worth nothing. It's <laughs> <laughs> <This is> true. <laughs> All right. Uh, moving on from that dumb quick story, uh, we're going to move on to our last story. There wasn't a ton this week, obviously. This was announced today. Uh, Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon, and the Blade of Light. Yes. So Nintendo put out a video today, and it started out really cool. It was two dudes playing Melee, two kids, yeah. Smash Melee. And oh, I didn't watch the video. Oh, it's so uh, cool. It's really? Uh, it's Roy fighting Marth, uh, and they're like, oh, man, this is why I don't play as this character. Who is this character anyways? And the other kid's like, you don't know who Marth is? <laughs> and he like starts talking about Marth, the hero of light who fought the Shadow Dragon. And like, uh, basically, they're just announcing that you're going to be able to buy the original Fire Emblem, which is the game that Marth is from, yeah. uh, on the Switch, mm-hmm. which is super cool. And it's getting 
for the first time ever translated to English officially by Nintendo. Really? Yeah. That's fun. And that's so like, yeah, it's cool. I'm uh, there are three. That's the big thing here is everyone's like, if they can do it for the first Fire Emblem game, there's no reason they can't do it for Mother 3 now. And now all like the Mother 3 uh, conspiracy theorists out there are losing their minds because they think that this is a sign oh, that, oh, Nintendo's willing to do, to translate a game into That has English. never been translated. They thought it wasn't going to ever happen. So now that oh boy. that fire is being I mean, it might be... It might be a different case here because Fire Emblem has exploded in popularity in the States in the last few years. That is very, very true. Whereas um, we haven't had a new Mother game since Mother 3 in 06. Yes, that is true. Um, it did get all of those people very excited, though. Um, it, there's Yes, there's a small chance. So this game is going to... You can buy it on the eShop. I think I saw... There's like a super crazy yeah, like physical collector's edition, collector's yeah. edition that comes with yeah. an NES cartridge and stuff. I don't know if it's like an actual working NES cartridge or just a decorative one. Um, the game online or just to buy it online digitally is six bucks. Yeah. I'm a little... Okay. <laughs> I'm a little sad that this isn't just included in the Nintendo online subscription because yeah. it is an NES game. It sounds... From the trailer, it sounds like they added some features that don't exist in yeah. the to make it more um, modern friendly. Yeah, because I I wonder if this is one of those ones that we added well, some extra frames to the start menu. Give us twenty dollars. Yeah, like uh, it doesn't. Uh, yeah, you can rewind to like specific turns. You can like speed up battles. You can speed battles yeah. up. You can specifically speed up your enemies. Yeah, there's a lot of little um, quality of life things they did to make it more playable yeah. in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm wondering if they can't if they couldn't put it in that like a localized like it sounds like they had to like rebuild some of the game from the ground up yeah. whereas most of the stuff like they didn't localize Puyo Puyo Tetris in this NES version it's it's in Japanese and you have to play it in Japanese that's if true you want to play it and so yeah I wonder if there were some limitations because they probably had to dig up the source code and make some modifications yeah that's part of point. me wishes that it w- they just did a full remake of it and like did it in the three houses art style uh, which is obviously a long shot. Yeah. But I was looking at some of the the character art for the game, and original Marth looks whack. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I have a picture here. He looks like I don't even know how to. Describe it's like the it. most it's, it's, when what when what decade did that come out? The eighties. Yeah, it's the eighties. Yeah, that's yeah. the most eighties like picture Saturday you could ever show. Right. He looks um, like he should be in Thundercat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of people, Marth's <laughs> up smashed the one where he points his sword straight up in the air. That's called the Thundercat. The Thundercats in the Smash community. Is it? Yeah. Like, oh, there's like a lot of moments. Yeah, I mean, Marth's up smash in Melee specifically uh, is his worst uh, smash, probably. And so whenever people do go for combos with it, it's stylish as hell, and the commentators will often scream, Thundercats! <laughs> uh, so I guess the only question that remains is, is anyone going to get this? I might. When does it come out? December 4th. Maybe. Yeah, I feel like I could I could pick it up, play it. Even if I don't play through all of it, it'd be fun to play the original. Because I, I love the Fire Emblem games. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Tactics, RPGs are some of my favorite games ever. Um, so it'd be really cool to kind of play the the origins the of that <laughs> that's like genre. I don't know if there were many tactical RPGs before Fire Emblem. When was the first Fire Emblem in the States released? Uh, it was gonna. Be, it would be on the Game Boy Advance. Two thousand three. Yeah, I want to say two thousand three. It's the one that has Lin in it. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um. So what? This was originally released in eighty eight. I want to say late eighties. Yeah. Uh. So we went almost fifteen years before we got Fire Emblem in the United States. Hmm. 
Uh, I wonder if, uh, like, there were some tactics games that came out in, like, the late 90s, like Final Fantasy Tactics, mm-hmm. um, Tactics Ogre. Was that tactics like, Ogre. Yeah, so I wonder if maybe that's what convinced Nintendo to say, hey, these games are, are doing well. Maybe we should bring our, our kind of version of it over. Yeah, I think it was also Marth and Roy being in Smash. That was a big part of that, it, too. Yeah, that, too. Um, yeah, because uh, almost everybody I know who knows these characters uh, <laughs> learned them because of <laughs> Super Smash Bros. Yeah. I didn't know half of the Smash roster before I played Smash. It's true. Uh, I had no idea who Samus was in the N64. Mm-hmm. I had or Captain no, Falcon. I didn't know Captain Falcon, Ness, what? even some of the like Star Fox Man. characters. Yeah, well, I my first console that I remember was the N64, and there was no Metroid on the N64. There was no Earthbound on the N64. There was no. Oh, there was an F Zero on the N64, but mm-hmm. we didn't have that game. Nope. Um, so yeah, I missed Super Metroid. I missed Earthbound. So I wouldn't have known those characters. Hmm. Um. All right. That is all I have for news. Um, I guess we can move right on to what we've been playing lately. Uh, we'll start with you, Matt. What video games have you been playing lately? Um, <clears throat> I'm actually playing a few. Okay. What do you got? I am playing um, a popular game uh, that you guys talk about all the time, Ori and the Will-O-Wi- and the Will-O-The-Wisps. I've never yeah. said that. Yeah. I don't think I've ever said that out loud. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Uh, that's Andrew's current game of the year frontrunner. Uh, yeah, I think after they announced it for the Switch, I the first thing I did was message you saying like, "Oh, should I pick this up?" And you're like, "Yeah, I think you'll like it." And yeah, it's great. Yeah, you're it's, a big yeah. Hollow Knight fan, right? Yeah, yeah, I really like Hollow Knight. Uh, it's very similar. Um, it could it's practically the same this, in a lot yeah. of ways. <laughs> they they steal a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Ori's big strengths in comparison to Hollow Knight is the movement. Uh, I like to compare the movement in that Ori game to like the Spider-Man video games. You're kind of like jumping and it's very fluid and slinging around where um, Hollow Knight, you don't have as like as it's more rigid. Yeah. You don't have like such a fluid, big movement range as you do. in Ori. Um, I maybe like the, the, I like, I think they both look great. I think I slightly prefer Hollow Knight with its kind of pen and ink style. Maybe it's a little more bold and graphic. Um, but they both look great. The music's fun. Um, it's 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 pretty fun so far. I had to put it down because we're covering a game for our show, so I started playing that, and that's called Kentucky Route Zero. Oh, okay. Have I've you heard of, of this? I've heard, heard good things. Lot, yeah. yeah, I have yeah. not heard of it. Um, it came out. Um, I want to say two thousand. I think it was last year. No. Um, no it originally it came, out. came out in two thousand thirteen in chapters. Yeah. Oh. So they oh, re- okay. they release like chapters right. every once in a while, and the 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 whole thing together came out pretty recently. It's on okay. the Switch. Um, and it's like an updated point and click game uh, with a real sense of design. Uh, that's what's pretty great about it. And I don't want to get into it too much because we're obviously going to talk about it on my show. Uh, and there's also stuff about it that I feel is applicable to our conversation later. Um, but uh, it's. It's interesting. Um, I'm like, it's split into chapters and I'm in the third chapter. Um, it looks amazing. I mean, I wish more games look really put that much time and consideration into uh, how the camera moves and how things are lit. Uh, it's really pretty beautiful, but like while being minimal um, in its visuals, it's kind of like a updated, uh, like like an old computer game. Uh, with the blockier style kind of graphics. Um, and it's really, really, really weird. Um, 
it's it's really uh, hard to describe how weird it really is. Um, <laughs> it's hard to kind of keep track of everything, and uh, I think it's really more interested in mood than it is in actual narrative. Uh, knowing my general tastes in video games, no, is this something you'd recommend for me? No, no, not at all. No, I don't. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to spoil too much, but the second chapter really was just listening to people. Okay, that's, and, that's and, fair. And I already mentioned it to Tony, my co-host on my show, and I think a large part of our conversation when we do discuss it is going to be how much of this is actually a video game. Interesting. But it is, is a very unique. A... It is a very unique experience. Is it more of a visual novel kind of thing? Yes and no. You're still kind of like have a map and like you learn where things are on the map and you have to drive on the map and then go talk to people and you have to make choices while you're talking to people. But oftentimes the choices feel less of like this will lead me this way and this will lead me another way and more of just like I have no idea which way either of these choices are going to lead me. Did you ever play Oxenfree? No, but I know you had mentioned that to me in the past i have it kind of written down so it could be similar um i'm not in, I'm, I'm not you know i'd have to play it but I, it is another point and click game right yeah yeah uh any other games you've been playing uh i was playing um the uh link's awakening remake is that what it was that came out relatively recently yep. Yep. um which is a lot of fun um I was playing that on the Switch again. Like that's the only system I have, um, <laughs> and it looks great. Uh, I played it when it came out, uh, so it's kind of like you know, a little bit of nostalgia there. Um, it plays well. Uh, it kind of looks like Animal Crossing in some ways. The update. Um, I've sort of was following along a guide while playing because I really had no interest in figuring everything out on my own, um, but. Um, I had started playing it and then Meg kind of monopolized uh, the switch for Animal Crossing. So, um, yeah, so I kind of stopped playing for a while. And then when Ori came out, I was just like, oh, you know, I switched to Ori. So I will have to get back to it. So I have to beat Kentucky Route Zero for my show. Then I'll go back to Ori and then I'll go and finish Link. So (laughs) cool. So I have played three games. Is one of them Hades? One of them is not Hades. Damn it. <laughs> um, so I guess I'll start with, uh, I started playing uh, Just Cause 3. Oh. Okay. Um, it was one of the ones in my backlog, and I decided to uh, I'll try something a little different, because it's kind of, it's a very mindless game of just running around, shooting, and exploding things. Yeah. Um, I really liked this. The second one was kind of like a hidden gem. That like nobody, it felt like it kind of went under the radar, and then one day like yeah. went on sale on Steam and yeah. just like, exploded. I think I got it for free on Steam, and I've never installed it. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a unique take on like the Grand Theft Auto style game, where I mean like the the entire purpose of it is just to like blow up everything. Uh, but it, you have like a grappling hook and a parachute, and mm-hmm. you can just grapple and parachute everywhere around the island, and it's like it's pretty cool. Uh, you feel a lot like Spider Man. <laughs> Ah. to use that again okay. um so yeah i've been just d- diving into that it's fun uh but it's also like just not a well tuned game uh like driving is feels really terrible 
flying a helicopter is very difficult <laughs> sometimes. It's just like not a well-oiled machine, but it's like fun when you're like kind of just mindlessly playing it and you know blowing stuff up and there's helicopters all around you and it's yeah it's fun. Um, and then I so last week I mentioned the bet between Dante and I. <laughs> yep. So we have dove like headfirst. It's all I've been playing basically. It, this this was my just cause was my break from Dark Souls three <laughs> or Dark Souls one. Okay. Um. So I I I'm done. You, you beat, beat it Dark already? S- yeah. How many wow. hours? Uh, twenty-five hours and forty-four minutes. All right. And that you played that much in a week. Yeah. My I looked at my file weeks. and my final time was like thirty-nine hours. Okay. So so you're out. <laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I restarted. So did you? yeah. <laughs> nice. Nuts. I'm playing a pyromancer this time. Okay, that's an interesting. I've never played. I've never played magic classes or style in Dark Souls. I don't. Yeah, even I want know to how try it. Works. Yeah, I, I struggled a little bit to figure it out. <laughs> uh, so Dante also finished. I think he finished earlier this morning, and he was at 30 hours and six minutes or something like that. So I have a good five-hour lead oh, wow. going into Dark Souls 2. Okay. So, uh, it's more like a two-year five-hour lead. So I dove into – started that. Uh, Dante does have the advantage there because he's completed the whole game before, and I have never really even played it. Um, but you can already kind of tell, like, okay, this was their second real venture into this like style of game, and it's definitely a little. The animations are cleaner. It's a little nicer looking. Um, they do make some like weird decisions. Uh, like early on in the game, it's a lot harder than the first one is early on. Mm-hmm. Um, your like healing is like super limited. And then they also in- introduce this mechanic where whenever you die, your maximum health pool goes down. So the more you die, the less health you technically have, which mm. seems counterintuitive when you're trying to when yeah. you're dying over and over at a part, and then it gets harder and harder because your health is lower. So there is a mechanic to like bring your health back up. You have to like consume a certain item to bring your it's called like you like bring your humanity back, but there's like limited amount of those items so you kind of have to be smart you don't want to just every time you die use one like you gotta like okay can i make it through with this much health yeah i probably can i made a dumb mistake last time or whatever um so i i finally beat the the first boss in that uh it was pretty easy i think the the bosses are i don't know the bosses don't feel as hard as they did when i first played this style of game and i think it's because i've been playing the style of game a lot now so i'm more used to like okay yeah he probably has a spot i can stand and just swing away at him and you know if i dodge every so often i'll be fine uh so that you, you kind of know how to search for the cheeses <laughs> search for the cheeses uh but yeah so i i probably will put it i'm like getting a little like okay i've been playing this a lot so i need kind of like a break so I, I probably will jump back to hades but i really want to try to finish all three before Cyberpunk comes out, because I know oh, yeah. once that comes out, that's gonna take most of my time. Yeah, that's soon. <laughs> Less than a month. You yeah. said three games, and you've only talked about two. T- oh, technically, Dark Souls Two is the third game. Oh, you said a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, <laughs> Andrew, what do you got? Well, as I mentioned, I am playing Dark Souls again. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I can't really put into words why this game encapsulates me as much as it does, but it just, I wanted, it's like one of the only games in recent memory that I want to go and play again. I'm like, I think the reason is 
partially because of Derek's and Dante's speed run thing. Yeah. And I want to see, like, okay, now that I know the game, how fast can I do it? Uh, and also, after beating it, I'm like, okay, I want more of this. But I don't want to wait for Demon Souls. And I don't want to buy two before playing Demon Souls. So I'm going to play Dark Souls again. Uh, yeah, because you can play it entirely differently than the first time you played it, right? Yeah, exactly. And the classes are, are exemplify that perfectly. You know, I, the mm-hmm. first time I played a knight, so I just had a sword and a shield, but now I'm, I'm playing a pyromancer. You know, when I was playing through and finding all these items, I would find these, like, pyromancy chaos storm. And I'm like, oh, well, I wonder I wonder what that looks like. Or, like, I wonder how I can use that. So now I'm uh, uh, going through again. And I haven't gotten too far. I think I only just got to Undead Parish. So, okay. like, I... I only and I've only played for like twenty minutes, so it's like now that I know where things are and what to get, I can just do it. Mm. Uh, so I'm excited to see how my second run changes. Yeah, I'm curious to see how that or hear how that goes because I, yeah, like I said, I've never touched magic in a Dark yeah. Souls game, and every time I like look at the stuff, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know how to understand how this works. Like in three, you have a magic meter yeah so it like makes a little bit more sense like okay there's an energy here at bar here but in one like you i think you have like yeah it's like it's like there's an equipable item called the pyromancy flame i don't know if it's the same for other magic classes but specifically for pyromancers there's the pyromancy flame which you equip and then you have to be having that as one of your active slots so either in your shield slot or your weapon slot and then while that's active you can use your equipped spell right okay as your attack and it uses endurance yeah that's okay that's like the weird thing is that yeah like it's part of your it's a whole different or it's part of your endurance instead of being a whole different bar yeah it's it it was a little weird to figure out yeah at at first so i got sounds a lot like real life (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah. sometimes you just gotta equip the pyromancy flame into your (laughs) your shield hand Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm That's how you get through the workday. I usually do that before I go to the bank. Do, um, is this? Uh, do you think a, this is a game that I would like? Absolutely no. not. <laughs> These games are very well. He likes Hollow Knight. Yeah, but I think Hollow Knight is much, much more user friendly. The whole point of Dark Souls is for it to be punishingly difficult. Hollow Knight is difficult but polished. Yeah. Whereas Dark Souls, is Dark Souls funny. is. Yeah, it's old, it's clunky, the mechanics are actively working against you. But yeah, that's the thing. It's like Matt grew up in the age of video games where they were hard and punishing because that's what the this series it, wait, 2000 Yeah, it kind of it kind of saw all of the modern gaming conventions and said, "Fuck that. We're going to make this the complete opposite yeah. of what you expect." There's no there's no automatic saves or anything. There's no know. map. There's no map. So I mean, my top my tolerance for that stuff has definitely waned in the years that have gotten older. Yeah, and it's yeah, mostly thing, because yeah. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really put in the time into video games like I did when I was a kid. When I was a kid, it was just like that was the only thing that was accessible. You pay, you played the difficult game, or you didn't play anything. So now it's just like, oh, am I going to play this difficult game? Eh, I'm going to go read instead. So like that's yeah. why like mm-hmm. sometimes now I'm looking for things that are are a little more accessible. I, Hollow Knight is tricky, but like. Um, it's not punishing, I don't think, and it's just repetition. Oftentimes, you know. Mm. Yeah, Hollow Knight's mechanics work in a way where, like, you can very easily, I think, figure out, you know, oh, like this is what I need to do. Whereas in Dark Souls, not only do you have to struggle to figure out the game mechanics, you have to struggle to figure out your environments and then enemies and also bosses, and yeah. it, it's a whole package. It's it's a lot of rep a lot more repetition and then mm-hmm. 
other like just randomness on top of that i think that yeah. makes it even it's more. like halfway through the game they just start throwing in mimics which are chests that aren't really chests and they actually are like really creepy with legs and teeth and they <laughs> tr- kill you what game was i playing recently that had a mimic that really fucked me up what was the game uh, where was I was it, the shopkeeper? Was it the uh, game adaptation of the movie? Uh, mimic? I know what you're talking about, but I don't remember the name of it. Uh, Moonlighter. Moonlighter. Yes. Moonlighter. Yeah. Savage Mimics. Yeah. yeah. And it's like they do not. And it's like this gives this. It's the least handholdy game in existence. Yeah. It like very briefly describe like tells you the controls in the beginning of the game in segments. And then but it doesn't explain any of the like actual game mechanics to you like the stats or anything. Like you can kind of figure it out and you know, detective your way into into finding out the stats by like sitting at a bonfire and going to level up and then seeing what will level what stats will go up when you increase certain attributes. Uh, but you but that's like stuff you seriously have to like study and figure out all on your own. Same thing with all the environments and everything. Hmm. It's a uh, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, all right. Any other games, or have you just been playing Dark Souls? Uh, n- well, like I said, I only played a little bit. Um, but I played some more Minecraft this week. Uh, it's just chill game that I go back to yeah, every now and then. Say, not too much to say about Minecraft. I don't know how much. Knows. I don't know how much I'll play going forward, be- though, because I <laughs> went to the Nether and apparently, uh, somehow a bunch of mobs got through my Nether portal. And as soon as I got into the Nether, a creeper exploded, which blew up the floor, and I fell into lava. I lost all my shit. <laughs> And like, well, I was like, well, I guess I'm not doing this anymore. Gotta love it. Uh, no, but the other day, Derek and I played Ghost oh, of Tsushima yes. Legends. Oh, uh, yeah, forgot. you guys played that multiplayer. Yeah. yeah. How is it? It is great. It really? is a lot of fun. It's so much fun. You need to play it. I don't have a PS4. When a P- when the PS5 comes out, we sh- can all play yeah. it together. Okay, it's going to be yeah, cause an, you can an just download version of the game, I think, too. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I will do that. It's like, it's like if Avengers was good. It's like Samurai Destiny. It's okay. It's yeah, it's like a looter. Yeah, it's Almost. like stripped down base to like the basics, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the yeah, like it. You play the story missions. You get new gear. Mm-hmm. The gear changes the way you play. Yeah, like instead of being able to swap between all four stances, you pick a sword ahead. You equip a sword, and that has one stance associated with it. Yeah. So like the one I have right now is the moon sword, but it's like, you know, you just equip whatever's strongest or something. Mm-hmm. And there's four classes. Uh, Hunter, Assassin, Samurai, and Ronin. Ronin. Yep. Derek plays as a Ronin. I play as Assassin. Uh, so what are they? So it basically kind of. I think the four classes kind of break down Jin's entire skill set yeah, yeah. into like more specific uh, chunks. So like the Hunter is all about using the bows, and the yeah, I knew I knew you yeah. were gonna play I'll that. Be the Hunter. <laughs> the Don't Samurai is all about straightforward sword fighting. The Assassin is focused on being an assassin sneaking around using some of the ghost weapons and then i think the ronin is a bit of a is a bit of an oddball it's the support class yeah oh, okay yeah because yeah. we like we we had figured out when they announced that those are the names of the classes we're like yeah obviously hunter's gonna be bowie and then we got to ronin and we're like oh right what is uh, yeah it's like another samurai it's it's cool each each class has like a their own set of special abilities that as you level up that class too you can get more uh the assassin one is there's um it's like a teleport ability almost you can you can ambush quote unquote uh enemies from a distance away and it yeah. walls ground it doesn't matter as is some if an enemy is within a distance of you then you can teleport to them so there was one moment when i was like 
on a cliff 80 feet away from Derek, and I teleported next to him and killed someone. Yeah, I was like, all of a sudden, he's, like, flashing across. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> I cool. thought, like, it, he was lagging or something. Yeah. like, nope, that's but his ability. It, the coolest thing I think that it does is it adds so much to the game design of Ghost of Tsushima. Like, there's platforming. There is different, like... There's, like, new enemy types, which have these different attunements where it's, like, it plays super hard into the, the mythos side of it and the legends yeah. aspect. Like, the, the moniker legends basically means that, like, as you play through the story missions, each one is, like, another tale, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, and so you're kind of playing through that. Um, and so in one of them, it says, like, oh, the there's the tale of, like, the go- the three brother gods, Okami, Amaterasu, uh Tsukiyomi and Susano, and it's like you can get the so the storm attunement and there are certain enemies that are glowing like green the storm attunement is green and so when you get that attunement on your sword you deal more damage to those enemies uh and you also have to use those attunements to solve puzzles or not it's not really puzzles very but very video gaming yeah. yeah it's very very video game it's i mean and that's how when you have that kind of design like it's designed to <clears throat> it seems like the story is designed to introduce you to these elements and, and then all these elements are going to be in the four player like raid activity where like everybody needs to like all right you're white i'm yellow you're green you're blue we attack these people at this time yeah. we jump on these platforms cuz i you know, I show up this platform, so it, it yeah, also it's like yeah, there, are, there. It makes it so that what, people who have certain attunements, wh- when jumping on an area that's designated, it'll yeah, it'll ma- make a platform. So this very much sounds like Destiny, and it, I didn't think that's what it was going to be, but it sounds cool. It is. It's super cool. Very yeah. fun. One of the funniest moments definitely was I was just in combat with a normal dude, and out of nowhere, from the top of my screen, Derek just jumps on top <laughs> of him and kills him. Uh, so does this push it farther up on your favorite games of all time list, Eric? Absolutely. I feel like it does because like, <clears throat> I don't like, this is a cool addition and uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's the fact that like, this was just a free thing they made and put out. Yeah. Like, it's I like, really hope that they do more with it. Uh, I don't like you like they'll keep supporting it. Yeah, I don't uh, <clears throat> like. Well, here's the thing too, Derek is like we've barely scratched the surface. Right, like we only played five story missions. There's like two other modes that we haven't even touched. I actually played a little bit of the survival you didn't mode. Play the survival? It's such a different game with with one person though. That's the other yeah. cool thing about it is that it makes up for the fact that this game would be way too easy with two or more people uh, by just bumping the difficulty and throwing new challenges at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, like, Derek and I, by the fifth mission or so, we're starting to struggle a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's no there's no healing. <laughs> there's no self-healing, like, in the game. There's healing drums scattered around okay. that you have to hit, um, and it balances the game a lot because if you could just heal endlessly, then it'd be, it'd be yeah. way too Which, easy. Yeah. The the Ronin eventually gets one of his skills is you get a heal for uh, yourself or for your allies or both for so uh, I think first it might be self and then later on you get a heal and then um, it like because you're the the Ronin's special ability is uh, like a, a automatic revive or whatever and then as you level up you get like special things added to that where it like it heals you and it heals your teammates and then it like does damage to anyone in the circle and then. You get a second ability that's uh, instead of you have a dog that comes out, which kind of is yeah, it's useless. like a speared animal kind of. Yeah, isn't great, but uh, you get a uh, a healing aura or whatever, like the drums. So you, eventually, <clears throat> if you have a Ronin in your party at a higher level, you're gonna have a heal kind of always available because the cooldowns are pretty low. 
Yeah. Man, I gotta play this. Yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. Cool. I've yeah, I played the survival mode, and it's tough with one person. So I definitely want to try it with two to four. Uh, it's basically Call of Duty Zombies with Samurai. That sounds and, cool. Like it's so awesome. The aesthetic is still really cool. There's like so many. The, the way that you travel between levels is these big tori gates, uh, and the particle effects on them are just like so neat. And then they yeah. bring you through these like, these like trippy hallways, and they're it's it's all neat. It's all narrated by Uncle Iroh. Ah, oh, that's really cool. Yeah, the second Uncle Iroh. Yeah, Je- uh, Derek is I, playing I in Japanese, so he doesn't get... Japanese he didn't is still on. Uh, <laughs> here, get to hear um, it. But yeah, it's the same guy who voices Uncle Iroh. Uh, and like everything is, is narrated. It's like you'll get a kill and the narration will go like the ghost take, like, took down the enemies. That's obviously a much watered down version of what he actually yeah. says, but it's stuff like that. And it's like, it's, it's so cool that to be playing out the tale in real time, Yeah, uh, it's... Everything about it's super neat, and then they're gonna add raids. I believe they announced today they're starting on the thirtieth. Oh, it's gonna start on the thirtieth. Mm-hmm. Okay, so they're giving the players like a week yeah, and a half to right. level yeah. up. You have to be like level a hundred year score or something like that. Yeah, and I think we're like twenty through halfway through the story, and yeah, we're like twenty. So there's difficult. There's di- different difficulty levels that add like modifiers, like you can only die twice, you can't die at all, or and stuff like that. So hmm. yeah. Uh, it's already your current game of the year. Does it push it further up your game of the year list? For sure. Damn. Like it's, uh, yeah. It, I, it, I think it pushed it into my into my favorites of all time. Wow. It's it's just to have this such such a cool addition, free addition to an already amazing single player experience is just it's it's mind boggling to mm. be. Compared to all the other, you know, games yeah. and gaming practices that have really transpired around us the last year, I will definitely have to check it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I was saying, Andrew, it's crazy how they were able to do this for free, and it feels great and plays great. And then Avengers, it's was a better big than game Avengers. That couldn't like do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although everything I hear, a lot of people are still just like grinding away at Avengers. Those and I'm are like, people who will who always grind at those kinds of games, anyways. Yeah. Like no matter how good or bad the game is, they just they can't help it. Yeah, that's the the only people that I know that are still playing Avengers are those types of people. Um, any other games? Uh, nope, just Smash. I play Have a couple couple runs of Hades that, every now and then. Yeah, how's that going? Still yeah. mediocre. Fine. I, I don't. That's not mediocre. I enjoy it. Yeah. I just it just didn't blow my mind. Fair. Um. Uh, besides Hades, which I have completed two more runs, apparently there's like an ending to that game where you roll credits. Yeah. Uh, you have to beat the final boss ten times, and then like there's an oh, actual wow. like times. end game. And then you get hell mode or something like that, or you, well, there always get, is hell mode. Yeah, right? you get yeah. The, the. Oh yeah, I started in hell mode. You what? Said so I started in hell mode. I I don't know what hell mode is, but I know it basically a... like adds heat to you. Yeah, like yeah, you yeah. always have five heat or something. Oh, just automatically adds yeah. heat. Oh, I didn't know that. Um. Anyways, uh, so I've been playing that a bunch still. Uh, but there is one new game that I started this week. Uh, Tis the season to be spooky. So I wanted to play a spooky game. And I forgot that I had an Xbox uh, One <laughs> sitting in the corner over there. And I pay for Game Pass. So I hooked it up and downloaded Resident Evil 7. Hey. Oh, nice. So I played about an hour and a half, two hours of that. And I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's because it has the Resident Evil name on it and it's not like the other games. Yeah, it was almost like a reinvention of the series. And I don't think I like the direction that they took it. Obviously, I'm going to I'm going to play it more uh, and see how it goes, but it feels more like a horror game. Like the main characters of all of the the Resident Evil games, uh whether it's Jill, Chris, Claire, Leon, 
uh, Sheva. I think I might be missing someone. Um, five and six are really the only ones you didn't. Five know. is Chris. Uh, five is six Chris. Six is still? Leon. Five also has Sheva. Oh. Um. So. Uh, who was the second? Carlos from three. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, like they are all either uh, members of like an army of some kind or a police force. They're all trained and skilled. Yeah. Whereas Ethan just seems to be a guy. Yeah. And I, he's a. Like, I never thought about that. He's just like a. A guy that makes a lot of sense. Who just kind of wandered into this abandoned. Yeah, he's like looking for his wife. And it's like definitely the being the first in first person. I also don't like. They're trying to make it more. I think it it was real. I think it was designed to be a VR horror game first, a Resident Evil game second. It definitely feels like it was designed around being in VR, which I'm not like. I'm not playing it in VR. I don't have interest in playing it in VR. So like, it definitely feels like that's what it's going for, and I don't think it works. Um, I'm pseudo interested in where it's kind of going with its story of like like uh i don't want to give anything away i don't know if you ever plan on playing it derek but i like, i do plan on because of eight yeah so yeah. i'll let you play it before i start going into story details but like it's doing yeah. some weird stuff and it feels like it feels like a, yeah, a vr horror game that you'd watch a twitch streamer stream you yeah know? that's kind of the vibe like you're waiting for the jump scare around the corner like as you're exploring the the guest house in the beginning of the game yeah um so we'll see. I'll give an update as I play. Yeah, it I mean, it definitely plays, like the overall gameplay structure plays like a Resident Evil game, but it is very jarring that it's in first person. Yeah. Uh, and it's uh, kind of, it's, it is kind of removed, I think, from the rest of the series thematic-wise. Yeah. I immediately removed the camera wobble option where it's like, basically, you know, when you walk as uh, a human, yeah. your your vision sways kind of, but you're, as a human, you're used to that. They add that in the game artificially. And yeah. I was just like, Nope. This make me feel weird. Uh, start turning that off. But yeah, that's the only new game that I've been playing. I'll give updates as I play more. Uh, but we've been going on for a while, and my laptop's about to die. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into the discussion of whether video games is the future of storytelling. We'll be right back. Okay, we have returned, and we're going to discuss whether or not video games is the future of media storytelling. Yeah? What? Are you pointing at me? What's up, Matt? Nothing. I'm just pointing. I'm You're just pointing point. at me? I <laughs> thought you were like, oh, I have something to say about this no. uh, segment. Um, so, obviously, the first thing that I want to do is uh, the reason this conversation came up at all was because of a quote that Joseph Gordon-Levitt had uh, in regards to his thoughts on video games and storytelling. So I'm just going to read that quote real quick. He said, the future of storytelling, it's going to be video games. I don't really think it's, I don't really think it's really going to be filmmakers who figure out how to do that. But if games feel like the most groundbreaking storytelling, storytelling that's like completely in a whole different realm than anything we've seen before, I don't think it's necessarily going to be the future film form feature film form sorry uh it, that quote itself seems kind of rambly yeah i have <laughs> no idea really what he was going <laughs> on about <laughs> i only uh, flubbed up that last word the rest of it were like verbatim was, yeah he said um so i guess I'll, I'll just open this up with the general statement is video games the future of storytelling no <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah why do you think that well okay so uh 
I think like in some way he's 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 right. It is the future of storytelling in the sense that it's making more and more money and becoming the bigger industry. The movie industry is in a state of flux. So their theaters are in danger of going away completely because of COVID. But even before that, there was this kind of rush uh, or, or fixation on IP uh, and things like, you know, Disney was obviously a big part of this by buying out lots of other big companies and they're focusing on Marvel and Star Wars and all their Disney princess stuff. Uh, and now they've also just recently announced that they're they're going to be focusing mostly on their streaming content. So that doesn't mean this stuff is going away. It doesn't mean movies are going away, but it is it is changing completely. And even I think it was I read either yesterday or today, uh, Netflix said, hey, everybody, um, more people watch Anola uh, Holmes than Endgame, which is a load of horse shit. Um, but I watched Anola Holmes. What is Enola Holmes? <laughs> it's a movie starring Millie Bobby Brown where she's the younger sister of Sherlock oh, Mycroft. Oh, yeah. Yep. No, um, I have heard of that. It was pretty not great. <laughs> but I, for some reason, really like Millie Bobby Brown and also very much like Sherlock. So I was like, I'll, I'll watch this. Anyways, continue. <laughs> but there's no transparency there for any of these streaming services to say actually how many people are watching things. So... And they've even admitted up front that like we count viewership of people watching like the first 10 minutes of something and shutting it off. We count that as a view. Um, yeah. So so we don't know definitively what's happening there. So the whole industry is in flux, but we do know how many copies of, of Spider-Man and Miles Morales is going to be sold. And we do know how many copies of, of a PlayStation 5 pre-order there are. We know these numbers. And so I think in that regard, yes, the future is video games because that's what's sort of driving the industry right now. But when it comes to narratively, I think that almost misses the point because uh, to me, when it comes to any form of entertainment, whether it's music or movies or TV or video games, I want that thing to be the best example of that thing. So I think a great video game doesn't compare to a great movie because their their end goals are are different. They're different experiences. So when I go into a movie, I want a movie. I want to the focus to be on how it was written and how the thought behind its compositions and its cutting and its acting. When I'm playing a video game, it's the experience of interacting with it between the player interaction and the controls and all that stuff. So uh, and all this is to essentially say like, you know, I think that's sort of like a wrong way to kind of approach that kind of like, I, I like when he says stuff like that, really all I'm really thinking of is, is like people are gravitating to video games because it's making more money. Mm. Um, so I agree with you from where you're coming from, but I can also see a different perspective of it where, and I think we all kind of experienced this playing the last of us part two, which mm -hmm. I know you haven't played Matt. I don't know how much yeah. like you looked into the last of us part two. I talked to you a bit about it. Um, yeah. Uh, and I think there are aspects of video games that allow you to feel things that you wouldn't feel story wise. If you just watched it, for example, 
when we were playing the last of us part two and uh spoilers for the last of us part two for anyone out there listening who hasn't played it yet and doesn't want to know what happens in it um but obviously a big part of that game is a uh, half of that game is you are playing as abby who is um basically kind ellie's of, antagonist yeah the basically the, the main game. antagonist uh and it does the thing where it's like oh everyone uh has everyone is someone else's villain but like you get to see like abby's not so bad she just did this one bad thing to this person anyways the point being you get to a point where you're playing as abby and you have to fight ellie um like halfway through the game or no that's like it's like of the way it's like the almost game. at the end i would say 85 um, percent. and there's something about participating in the action of you are playing as this character who for the first half of this game you saw as like a villain there was no redeeming this character and then you spent a whole bunch of time uh getting to like this character uh and then you are forced to fight the original character that you played that you've always liked from Mm -hmm. the previous game and the first half of this game and like there, are, I've heard stories of people who put the controller down and just said, "I don't want to do it. I don't want to fight Ellie." But the story doesn't progress. Like if you were to watch a movie, you you don't get to make that decision. Yeah, it's like it plays out in front of you. You don't have that moment to stop and think like, "Oh, I don't want this to happen." But with a video game, you you can put it down and say, "I'm not ready to do this." It's like in ways. Well, I mean, like you can be more I mean, mentally. Te- that's kind of silly in a way because you can easily say like this movie is pissing me off i'm turning it off (laughs) it's the same kind of thing uh i think what you're talking about is valid and i think that's what makes that game great but i think when i watch a movie it's just a different experience i i think there are sensory elements to movies that don't exist necessarily in in video games and oftentimes in video games narratively they're borrowing quite liberally from film. Um, so to me, the video game, the best part is the part when you are, are, are making, or when you're playing the character, you're controlling the character. But oftentimes video games, when they're doing cutscenes and whatnot, all that language is lifted directly from film. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. I don't see really much distinction between those moments. And oftentimes it's not exciting filmmaking in those portions of video games. Um, but... I mean, what you described is essentially the Star Wars prequels where you have these two characters that you're rooting for and then they start going against each other in the end. And that may not be a great example of it, but it's just the one that's off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it's a popular one that people And I know what you're saying, like part of this, like, uh, again, like, oh, you're assuming the controls. But I do think that part of video games is the illusion of choice. It's not actually choice. You're just, you're pressing buttons when you need to press buttons. You're completing a task, and then you're seeing the outcome after that. So there are games, though, where that isn't the case. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. And that's where the industry is kind of headed, and that's, I think, where it's interesting. And and I do think that is a future for storytelling in general. I think Mm -hmm. film, in a lot of ways, has been limited because ever since Jaws and Star Wars... um, the industry has been chasing that and it's been chasing IP and, uh, and, and making things more accessible. And you have movies like back to the future that a lot of people argue has a perfect script and have been chasing that idea of what that is, where everything sort of is set up perfectly and has a payoff yet a lot of great cinema 
and, and a lot of foreign films are doing things that are completely different. So, and unfortunately, that's not necessarily popular anymore. And even in the 70s, you had director-driven movies and they that's sort of kind of gone the way of independent films. Um, so there are certain things that are sensory or certain types of cuts or certain things that you see in like French new wave films or Italian neo, neo realism, um, uh, that are unique experiences that aren't a, you're not able to replicate in video games. Does that make it better? No. And, and I'm, I, I do want to qualify that. I'm not saying film is better than video games. I'm not saying, I'm just saying they're two unique experiences. And what I want from a video game is, is the things that make a video game great. But what I watch a movie, I want the things that make a movie singular. Uh, that's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, a big part of it for me and why, and I agree with you. I'm not saying that, um, movies are a greater format or video games are a greater format. We're more so just kind of exploring uh, like the mediums. Yeah. The mediums as yeah. a whole and what their potential is. Um, there's a couple other examples that come to mind for me of moments where it's something that happened in the video game that I don't think could have been replicated. And, and like, obviously gameplay mechanics is like not what we're talking about here because, like, well, I think, and one of the things that I think makes video games such great uh, kind of, vessels for storytelling is when the gameplay reinforces the story and the i think the quintessential example of it is celeste i was i was about to bring up <laughs> i know you were I was gonna bring up is one of them was celeste and then yeah. the other one i'll get to in a little bit but yeah yeah 100 i was gonna talk about celeste so go for it if you want to talk uh about well i mean the it's just the fact that the entire structure of the game is built around the character's internal struggle uh so you know madeline's desire and struggle with anxiety and her journey to get over that that anxiety is replicated by her struggle to climb the mountain and the player's struggle to climb the mountain that game is hard because you know and it's like you know you're gonna die thousands of times in that game uh and so like the the actual gameplay of climbing the mountain reflects madeline's struggle to climb over her anxiety you know yeah. and it it, it kind of reinforces the same um they same journey they work in synchronicity where it's like as you the player get more confident in your skills madeline the character is getting more confident in herself as a person and as you are climbing the like beating each individual level she is getting higher and higher in the mountain and achieving her goal it's basically just to prove to herself that she can do it yeah and it's it's a very simple story but like you're saying the gameplay mechanics of you yeah. as the player going through the same struggle that she has she is throughout the whole thing and you feel when she feels a sense of accomplishment from getting through like a certain section and interacting yeah. with a certain character you are feeling that sense of accomplishment for like you said it celeste isn't an easy game it takes a lot of time and effort and patience and you've played celeste with me before matt we were playing it yeah uh, you play when it. we were filming that wedding last year mm -hmm. uh and the downtime uh in between nights uh and you were watching yeah it's not an easy game um and i think like you're saying andrew that experience of going through that and like you're having this your own personal journey alongside the character and i feel like it bonds you yeah with the character more and like makes you feel for them more um another uh game that i wanted to bring up and spoilers for this game as well 
It's a 2020 game, Ghost of Tsushima. That was the other game I was going to bring up. Uh, Jeff, why do we have the same brain? I don't know, dude. It's DNA. (laughs) Uh, So that game is a pretty linear story Mm -hmm. for almost its entirety. Um, There's a couple small things that you can do here or there to uh, change some things. You can skip out on some story things. Um, But the end of the game gets you to a point where you're fighting. uh, You have to fight to the death with your uncle. Uh, and right before that, he has you write a haiku. And throughout the game, you're writing haikus. And the way that they do it is um, you have, like, a choice of three things and then a choice of three things and a choice of three things. Yeah, so, for each of the lines. Um, what's that? That's uh, 27 different possibilities that your haiku can be. Yeah. Uh, so I, each of us, I'm sure, had a different haiku there. And we probably built it based on the relationship that we developed with our uncle. Uh, but bigger than that is at the end of the game, you obviously defeat your uncle in battle and his whole thing as being uh, a proud samurai and him saying, um, you need to take my life. You defeated me in battle. This is the samurai way. And Jin's whole journey of moving past being a samurai and becoming gr- more than a samurai. It The only time in the game, it gives you a choice. Do you kill your uncle or do you let him live? And, that is a dis- like you as a player make that choice and then the game kind of it rolls credits and you continue to play the game and that it doesn't necessarily have an effect but it is the ending to your story whereas if that was a film you don't get a choice they can yeah. leave it up to interpretation whether he did it or not but you are not making that choice yeah um, and it's like once the movie is made and put out you know unless there's Alternate like endings. alternate endings or something it's like that's what it is yeah. and you, there's nothing <laughs> that can change that but we as two different people can have inherently different experiences with the same game and i think that's part of what makes it great and i was gonna i didn't get a chance to bring up uh this aspect of ghost when we did our episode on it um but i think what could have elevated that game even more is if it implemented those kinds of choices throughout the story and if the i think if the gameplay could have even better reflected uh the narrative so like you know as you go through the game uh you know you become and you embody the ghost the legend of the ghost more and more uh but what if you just straight up did samurai combat the entire game and you only did standoffs and you only fought with honor and then at that point it's like okay i've been an honorable samurai but uh in the story i'm still the ghost yeah i think that would be uh an issue in the game uh yeah so it's they like don't expect people to play that way yeah obviously however i think it would have been really really neat if the, if it had that system where you you know if you do play as an honorable samurai and you get to the end of the game you and your uncle get to live happily but that's the thing is now you're asking for a different story to be told you're asking for your story to be told and not Jin's story to be told that's a good point yeah and that's two different types of of games because mm-hmm. yeah then then at that point you have a mm-hmm. skyrim where like you make the character right. that is your character and what happens is your story whereas he, he has a good point where it's like we are yeah no that's story. that's fair yeah in every interview w- with the creators of that they talk about how they want to replicate the experience of an akira kurosawa mov- samurai movie um so it, it's unfair to say like that this is better because they are replicating something and 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 giving you a choice at the end, and it's still a binary choice. It's this or this. It's not necessarily you as a person say like you know what I want choice B where I go and eat some ramen. Um, 
So, and again, that's a a different experience than what you'd get from movies. And I think oftentimes what I'm looking for, no matter what it is, is the personality of the people that are creating it. Because that's how you connect to other human beings. That's how you relate or find empathy. That's why art is so great because you find, you, you, you connect to other people through the choices that they make. So oftentimes when I'm watching a movie, I'm watching it because I want to know what that storyteller is going to do. Not because I want to make that choice. Um, that's what I find gratifying about all art, even video games where it's about the design behind it. And you have all these artists and you see their personality coming through from the art. Um, so when I watch an Akira Kurosawa movie, what I'm interested in isn't always samurai or the type of story he's telling. I'm interested in Akira Kurosawa. I, I'm interested in what he thinks and how he thinks. And that's how you connect. Um, and that's what, you know, that's why when I watch movies, I'm always interested in directors. I'm always looking for the director. And I go through director filmographies all the time. Um, and this is why we talk about, Jeff, why you like Edgar Wright so much. Because something about what Edgar Wright does connects to you. Uh, it's it's not necessarily like, yeah, Shaun of the Dead is fun and Scott Scott Pilgrim versus the world is fun. But it's the it's the way that he specifically tells those stories that makes it good, and I do think you're getting that in in video games now too, especially with stuff like, you know, your beloved Hollow Knight, where it is only three people working on it, so it's they're passionate about it, and every little bit of them is in there, and that's what I want from all art. Um, so it isn't about like this thing does this different, therefore it is better. It's just this is different. And I embrace those differences, and that's why I like that medium. That's why I like all mediums. Yeah. I think uh, um, a problem in video games with that is, aside from Kojima, Hideo Kojima, you don't get individual personalities in video games. They're all companies, and there's no faces. It's very rare that you have, like, a singular face or, like, personality Mm. put in a game. There's usually teams of hundreds or sometimes thousands of people that all go into making a single game and all of those names are lost and you don't yeah there's not a singular focus i feel Mm -hmm. rarely um except in the case of like hideo kojima is one person in charge is there someone like directing the game and i I think that's why uh, um Kojima's games connect with people is because or people are like big fans of his games is because they want to hear this like Matt is saying the stories he wants to tell through these mediums Uh, I like really enjoy his games simply with his name on it because I think he uh, puts he has his own style uh, like a movie director Uh, and I think one of the places where Matt brings up Hollow Knight you guys brought up Celeste earlier is the places where we're going to start to see those types of games that uh, mirror what is kind of like uh, a a film director's film kind of stuff like that um, is in indie games where it is one person leading the show or a small group of team, small team. Um, I think besides like a Hideo Kojima game, like the, other big game that has like a clear director and a clear message being told is the last of us. 
um, Neil Druckmann. With Neil Druckmann. He is the storyteller in both the creation of the story and in the direction of the game. Uh, no one else, well, there probably is small input, but in the end, it is his kind of like story being told th- through this. And um, I think with the way the game industry is going, we might see a little more of that at the like high triple a level but most of those stories are going to be through um indie games uh i want to like jump back to one point that matt brought up about film and how uh film like american film is you see a lot of these um blockbusters blockbusters i they all care about ips and i think that's exactly where the games industry is kind of headed right now as well yeah a lot uh, of these triple a games now are turning into like big cinematic experiences based on with IPs. gameplay yeah it's it's uh, microsoft just bought bethesda because they want all of those ips that follow ip that uh the the, the sky well yeah they these Things that have been well known for years and will continue to be well known, and they want to like own that and direct it. And those are games where you're never going to know the guy who came up with that story because it's going to be a team of people putting this together. It's not going to be a single person who kind of has this vision. Um, Which is part of why most of the Marvel movies these days seem to not have any personality. They all feel samey yeah. because there's a bigger corporation that's having the greater say of how it goes and like why uh edgar wright again stepped away from ant-man because he he wasn't able to put edgar wright's ant-man exactly so some people some directing teams can feel like they can kind of put their own thing with it i think the russo brothers kind of do Mm -hmm. a pretty good job but most it kind of does get lost in you know it's not all there i would argue the opposite (laughs) um yeah I, i i think you guys bring up a big point, a good point with Celeste and that storytelling. And I think a big thing that games are doing are starting to do right now, at least at the indie level are finding ways to kind of, uh, tell interesting stories and make you feel things, um, at like the same way films found ways to do that through like different cinematography and soundtracks and stuff like that. Game, game designers Mm -hmm. are smart creative game designers are finding ways to do that through gameplay yeah and i without spoiling too much since it's in our hat but hyper light drifter uh is really cool in the way it tells its story as there's no dialogue whatsoever i i think the thing too is like what again what i'm looking for and is is to show the best example of that form like when I, but you know, a lot of your favorite games that you all talk about on the show all the time are games that really have no narrative, and that doesn't mean that they shouldn't be in in this conversation. But like Smash Brothers, the only narrative that exists is really through esports or through the characters in their other games. Um, and in in a game that I love deeply, Tetris obviously has no narrative whatsoever. Um, so I think the game world is 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 vast and, and can do lots of different things. I just when someone says anytime anyone says this is the future of the thing, I think it sort of misses the point um, because I think everything could sort of coexist. And ultimately, when you're telling me this is the future, you're telling me that this is where the money is. Um, because again, like I don't want the video game experience in a movie or a TV show. Like there was that um, episode of Black Mirror that was 
on Netflix, which was like sort of a choose your own adventure type thing. Uh, and again, like choose your own adventure stories are things that have been around for quite a while. I, I used to read a lot of choose your own adventure books when I was a kid. And that's even a big component of a lot of point and click games where you're like an active participant where you get choices. Um, but again, there's only so many outcomes, but like the black mirror episode just felt kind of frustrating and flat because oftentimes you'd get to a point and I'd want to make a choice and then the character would die and it would end. And it's like, no, you should really make this choice and it'd bring you back. So it didn't really work in that context. But in a video game, it can support that and it can support multiple versions of that. So I want that in the video game. I want to see that in the video game, but I don't want to go to the movie theater and sit there and press a button and choose the ending. You know, I want it to be a singular experience. Um, I think something that you have touched on during this conversation, and I think the, the most important thing to me is that they both... Uh, movies and TV and video games and books, they all tell stories in different ways. And uh, I think that they can each excel in a specific manner. And uh, my an example, uh, my favorite movie is Baby Driver, going back to Edgar Wright. He's a beautiful, <laughs> wonderful man. And my part of the reason why Baby Driver is my favorite movie is because that wouldn't work in any other format. Um, the way it's edited to music and how music yeah. is so integrated into it, obviously it could work in TV because TV and movie is pretty interchangeable based on the way it tells a story. It's just like the amount of time. It Anyways, like you can't have a book about baby driver and you can't have a video game about baby driver. Cause that would rely on the player to hit the inputs at the correct times. And if you screw it up, that ruins the experience. And that's why I love baby driver so much is because it's a complete package and the way it works together with its music and its storytelling and the actors hitting their beats mm -hmm. and whatnot. It's, you couldn't do that in any other format. And I think the perfect example of an amazing video game story that wouldn't work in any other format is outer wilds. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. It's all about exploring a universe and you're discovering this, like what happened to this ancient alien race uh, in a way that you wouldn't be able to do in a linear film you wouldn't be able to do it in a linear book it's because it's like a non-linear exploration uh and it's such a wonderful cool story and it's like think of it as like it kind of opens up like you have a starting point and then it opens up into a near infinite possibilities of the direction that you can go but it somehow finds its way back into a singular yeah. endpoint. That's something unique that only a video game could do mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. i think it's going to be amazing to see going forward video games continue to find because i think part of the problem is movies have been around for a really long time so it's like a lot of like the really cool stuff uh like and interesting ways to tell a story have been um already shown and we're yeah. we're stuck in this rut of people like remaking films that already exist and stuff and we're we're starting to get there with video games too where like uh, like every other remakes game is have remake just saturated now. the market exactly uh and i think part of it is video games have more to still discover than movies do. And you were saying Matt, that there are like, cause most of us here at this table, uh, only watch American films. It's very rare that I watch a foreign film these days. Mm -hmm. Um, and like you were saying, they are all very similar. Whereas like you were saying that foreign films are starting to do cooler, newer things. And I've heard amazing things about parasite <sighs> and that, it, uh, 
it kind of fucks with your expectations on what you think it's going to be. And I've wanted to watch it and I haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean, Parasite is just doing a modern version of Hitchcock and it's telling a story that um, uh, politically feels uh, potent for right now. Um, I think, you know, you mentioned Baby Driver. That's only a few years old. And, and that's while not doing new things necessarily, he's refining things that you've seen before to tell something specifically interesting that was interesting to Edgar Wright. There's a movie I watched this year. It's on Netflix. Um, it's called um, Dick Johnson is Dead. And it cannot exist in any other format. And it's a documentary about um, this um, cinematographer and her father has uh, dementia. Um, he's still in the early stages when the documentary starts. And she kind of convinces him that, like, let's film a bunch of... Let's stage your death and let's do a bunch of different deaths for you. So they film these things from simple things from him falling down the stairs to moments of him getting hit by uh, an air conditioner that had fell out of an apartment uh, and landed on his head. Um, but and in between this, it also shows like this version uh, uh, of him experiencing heaven where his dead wife is and all these celebrities are there and it's sort of surreal the way it's filmed in slow super slow motion and and it's you know dick johnson is there with all these people with these big cardboard cutout masks and it's a strange moment but it's for him to experience this sort of like you know this 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 thing like I'm not going to experience this, and in the end of the movie, they stage his funeral, and he gets to watch it. Um, and all these things work in the context of this movie in particular because he is such an affable person. You really fall for him um, throughout the movie, and it's a very specific experience to him. But through that, even though it's very specific to these people, it's still super relatable. Because obviously, you know, Jeff, our grandmother has dementia. Uh, and it's not not the same story. It's not the same thing that's happening. But you can still find that empathy through there. You can still find that connection. Um, and it's a beautiful movie that can't really exist in any other form. Uh, and so I think that's really... Again, like we keep getting back to it, but that's really what I'm looking for. And another thing that I think is interesting in video game storytelling and modern video game storytelling, going back to the well again of Hollow Knight and Ori, is that a lot of the details of the worlds for those games are incidental. It's part of the tapestry of the world you're exploring. And you really can go through Ori a lot of Ori and Hollow Knight without really caring about how that world exists, but it's the details of it are all there. If you choose to be an active participant, you could learn so much about the history of those worlds. But if you just want to play the game and get through the objectives, you don't really need to know that much about the story. And I think that's a new fascinating, that's a, that's an interesting way for video games to tell stories as well. Uh, for sure. Um, uh, it kind of seems like this conversation is starting to wrap itself up and we're kind of 
I don't want to say talking in circles, but I think we've all seemed to have come to an agreement that each medium kind of has its place and is doing its own cool, unique things. And there are definitely examples uh, in each medium of something that kind of excels as that thing that like this could only work in this format. And obviously there are movies that could be video games and video games that could be movies. uh, And it's those special gems that uh, kind of transcend that and only works that one medium that makes them so special. Um, so I think oh, we can all be in agreement here, uh, saying in that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is dumb and doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I he's that... an actor and he's still acting. So I think he's like, you know, his, his website, like that hit rec- record thing or hit record thing website is really about like connecting people. And it's strange that he said that because I think in a lot of ways he's always saying like, Hey, write a poem. And then he asks another person to write music to the poem and then another person to illustrate it. So he's always trying to bring people together through different mediums um, and, and have them all collaborate together. That's what his website is all about. So it's really strange that he would just be like, Hey, video games, that's where it's headed. Uh, you know? I, was just, I, I know. I think the, the one thing that um, the money, the money is there and I wouldn't be surprised uh, if we could see kind of a a golden age of storytelling in video game video video games <laughs> video games uh, soon, um, especially with the way the the uh, pandemic and stuff has hit the uh, entertainment industry of like film and television. Uh, writers need jobs, and video games are always getting made. Um, talented, you know, the talent could shift something like that. I don't know. We saw you can make it, video games remotely, whereas movies, yeah. it's much. We saw can't. it happened with television in, in the two thousands. Yeah, uh, television st- uh, suddenly, we, you know, starting with like stuff like The Sopranos and stuff, had really good writing and was comparable to movies. And I don't, maybe we could see that with video games because I think that's the one area that video games are lacking is quality writing. writing isn't always there there are good writers but it's not always there and good actors but still they're voice actors you know so we could see maybe that in the future and that could be kind of where video games are the future in that aspect whereas um you know movies and television and books and you know, music it's never going away nothing's never going to be all right that's it Video games are it. That's Everyone the, else. That's the last book. We're done. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, it, what happened with, with, with television in general is like like you had mentioned, like, oh, the golden age of television after s- shows like Sopranos and The Wire and, and then Breaking Bad and Mad Men, um, there's like this massive like rush to make as much stuff as possible. And what had happened is now everything is replicating those specific shows instead of trying to do new things like those shows did. So there's a potential for that to happen in the video game industry as well, where people start chasing the dragon's tail saying like, Hey, it worked for this game. We need to do this thing. Um, so that is like a, 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 a tricky kind of field to navigate. Um, but you see that with every industry where it's always like, Hey, this is the new thing. Let's chase this thing. There's just so much TV now. Uh, and, and even, even, even movies, there's so many movies. Um, but even video games, like I, I log onto switch and it's just like, I'm going to look through like the popular stuff. And I'm like, I don't know, like an eighth, I don't know, like a quarter of this stuff. Like it's, there's so much stuff in there. Um, but the stuff that has the most money pushed behind it is the thing that gets talked about the most, unfortunately. 
So it's about like shows like yours where there's a platform for trying to say like, hey, this is an interesting thing that not a lot of people are talking about. So let's let's go in this direction. And that's where you're going to find innovation in storytelling in the video game industry. So, Matt, is there any like final things you want to say about this topic as a whole? Or do you think we kind of summed it all up pretty well in this no, last I, hour? No, I think, yeah, I think we did a pretty good job of, of making the case, you know. Um, you see it happen often, like um, when something becomes popular. Like I notice this a lot with comic books where it's borrowing from movies. And I don't want my comic books to, to visually be like movies where they're framed like movies, super widescreen. I want my comic books to be comic books. Um, and I think what makes a great comic book super fun to read and exciting to look at is not the same as what I like about a superhero movie. Uh, and, and rarely do those two things cross. So, you know, the same thing with the video game ap- adaptation of, of a comic book or a movie. Like, I want it to be the best v- video game possible. I don't want it to be the same thing. And you hear that a lot with people when they see a movie that was based on a book and they're like, oh, well, the book is better. But I think that misses the point sometimes. Like, like the, the, the movie has to... Or oh, they'll either say the book was better or it's not like the book. And I think oftentimes the movie has to do its own thing. It has to exist as a movie. Uh, it's and, called an adaptation for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Um, let it be its own thing and and represent the best aspects of that medium. Uh, and that's where you're going to get great stuff. Definitely. Right on. Um, Except right. for Avatar, which is a bad movie. Uh, let's... Let's wrap this bad boy up, and how about we do some megabyte trivia? Uh. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I had reached out to Matt prior to this, and I said uh, because he he claims that he's very bad at our trivia when he uh, mm-hmm. participates when he listens from home. I mean, I'm very bad at tr- trivia in general. <laughs> he claims he's very bad at trivia in general, but. Yeah. Uh, I asked him, I said, what is a category that you think you'd have a shot at? And he said, how about video game movies? So we're going to do video game movies as our trivia for this week. All right. Is everybody ready? Yeah. Matt, are you familiar with how we do this? Yes. All right. Here we go. Question number one. Who was the lead actor in the Assassin's Creed movie? I see some typing thumbs over here. Uh that seems like you guys know the answer. Matt, we're going to have you go first on this one. Who was the lead actor in the Assassin's Creed movie? Uh, that's Michael Fassbender. Derek? Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender. That is correct. Everybody gets one point. I would not have known that if I didn't see that earlier today. You did did you actually watch the movie? movie? No, I didn't watch the movie. Oh, no. Okay. I, I was reading like an article about video game movies. And oh, that's funny. Assassin's well, Creed came out. That's funny. All right. Question number two. Mila Jovovich played Alice in the Resident Evil movie franchise. What upcoming video game movie is she also going to have a lead role in? Repeat her name. Mila Jovovich. It's a movie. I believe it was supposed to come out this year, but got delayed. Yeah, I got delayed. Along with everything. No, it's it's coming out. Is it coming out this year still? Yeah, in December. Or scheduled to at least? Uh, Yeah. Andrew, you look like you have no idea, so you're going to go first. I thought it was a trick question. I thought it was going to be Resident Evil again because <laughs> I thought I saw her name on that. She was in all of the Resident Evil. Well, no, I mean, but them. the new one. 
Andrew, what what you, video game movie is Mila Jovovich? I have no movie? fucking idea. No uh, guess. Um, I mean, I if I I just gonna I'll probably kick myself after I hear it. But I no, I don't you, have a guess. I have you nothing. definitely will, Matt. You want me to give you the answer? Yeah, it's Monster Hunter. Yeah. Derek, Monster Hunter. It is Monster oh. Hunter. No, I forgot that that was coming out. Yep. Uh, yep. All right. Question number three. I have like zero hype level for that. So <laughs> you and everyone else. Question number three. What year did the Super Mario Br- Brothers movie come out? Oof. Ooh, Matt, you were of an age where you like you probably would have seen this. You would have. It would have been like a thing for you. I didn't see it. Have you never seen the Super Mario Brothers movie? Oh movie yeah, night. yeah. I didn't. I didn't night. see it when it came out though, because like when it came out, we were like, "This looks awful." <laughs> and apparently it is um oh it's so bad it's it great. is it's really bad yeah all right derek we're gonna have you go first on this one what year did the super mario bros movie come out uh, i 1990 andrew 97 matt 93 it was 1993 ah, oh. that was my first guess i knew it was somewhere early 90s good job matt all I right we'll switch you to it at the last second too. question number four what video game movie has the highest rotten tomato score at a whopping 68 percent is it really the highest <laughs> what movie has the highest rotten tomato score video game movie obviously at 68 percent Oof. uh that's tough huh that is a tough one they get tougher as they go on um all right matt we're gonna have you go first here what is your answer um silent hill andrew detective pikachu derek sonic the hedgehog it is detective pikachu ah, detective P- as soon as he said uh, that uh, I sonic knew the it. hedgehog is the highest grossing video highest game grossing. film okay right. and i didn't uh, know whether that played into its critics i will also number state five. for the record i will also state for the record that silent hill is better than detective pikachu pikachu <laughs> <laughs> i've never seen silent hill question number five what video game movie made the most money in the worldwide box office? Why are you staring at me like that? I don't know. Is it because I just said it, or is it a trick question? Are you trying to spook me? I don't know. We'll see. All right. What video game movie made the most money in the worldwide box office? Worldwide? <sighs> what video game movie <laughs> made the most money in the worldwide box office? All right. Just so you guys know, Matt has three. Derek and Andrew have two. So you guys have to get this to tie and hope that Matt doesn't get it. I we're gonna have Derek go first. Derek, Sonic the Hedgehog. Sonic. Matt. Uh, um. I feel like it's definitely not Sonic though. I'm gonna say Resident Evil. The answer is Warcraft. Uh, that movie was a hit in China. Really? Yeah, that, that was big. Was in, really big so in China. I forgot that was a movie. Yeah, honestly, I forgot like 90% of the video game movies that exist. All right. And that makes Matt the winner with three points. Congratulations, Matt. That's a first. Yay. (laughs) Uh, We'll do the tiebreaker question just for fun. How much money did the Warcraft movie make? 900 million. I don't know the metrics for this. No way. Say 600 uh, million. 400 million. It's 439 million. Ooh. So I think you only said 400 because Matt said something before you. No. Oh, that didn't influence you at all? All right. I assumed it would have. Um, Matt, thank you very much for coming on and talking about this. I think it was a real fun conversation. Next Technical time, hiccups aside, tech, next time come in person so that that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, well, Maybe I just I was just pandemic. at three weddings this past weekend, and so I saw like well over a hundred people. So I'm just playing things extra safe for you guys. Yep, that's fine. I appreciate you playing it safe. 
Um, Matt, uh, tell our listeners where they can find you and your podcast. Um, you could find us everywhere you get your podcasts. Um, uh, it's called What Did We Miss? You could find us on Twitter and Instagram uh, at What Did We Miss? Um, if you want to send us an email or send me an email and tell me that I'm an asshole uh, because of my movie opinions, you could send it uh, to uh, what did we miss at gmail.com. Very cool. Um, all right. Well, I guess this wraps up this episode of the Game Sharks podcast. Maybe next time you come on, we'll also have on Tony. <laughs> that would be nice. Yeah, we, we need fun, to bring yeah. Tony on. Yeah, we absolutely do. Maybe when his, his boys are a little older, we're a little farther away from a pandemic. He knows more about video games than I do, um, and I think he would be a nice counter to your uh, opinions because, um, yeah, he just he's just every once in a while he'll he'll be like, "Oh, I listened to the episode." He's just like, "Those kids are crazy." <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to find a, a good topic. Well, we'll chat with him sometime soon and find something that he wants to come on yeah, and talk about. That sounds great, and and, and also maybe someday um, Andrew won't sleep through my podcast. <laughs> maybe one I day would love to <laughs> alright guys thank you very much for listening I to this episode I lead a rough life Matt thank you for listening to this episode of the Game Sharks podcast you can find us on Instagram at Game Sharks podcast you can find our website thegamesharks.com and you can send us an email gamesharkspodcast at yahoo.com send us any questions that you may have any discussion topics that you want to hear us talk about and or with I that, guess just what games you've been playing Jordan oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> or just just tell us about your lives just like Jordan did uh, and with that we are Finn <laughs> that would have been a joke <laughs> <laughs>